Hello, welcome to Insight, your local guide to DLR services. My name is Cahill and on today's episode I'll be talking about the newly refurbished and much anticipated Dunleary Baths project. Originally built in the 1800s, they were closed in 1997. Proposals then started coming forward in the early 2000s and 2015 saw the beginning of what the Baths has become today. Join me as I talk to Bob Hannan, an architect at the helm of the project for Dunleary Ratdown County Council, as he tells me all about this amazing new development that aims to further link the town of Dunleary and the harbour, providing enhanced swimming facilities, artist studios, a walkway and a cafe. So Bob, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Uh, before we get into the, the main topic of the, the episode, which is the Dunleary Baths, an exciting project that's just come to completion here and finally opened in Dunleary, I'll get a little bit about yourself, a bit of background to you. First off, what's your own role in the council, Bob? So my official title is Senior Architect. And within the County Council, there is an architect's department with about 15 architects and various technicians and so on. Okay. And what we do in the architect's department is that we do a lot of buildings across civic buildings, a lot of projects across civic buildings. We also do public realm work. We would also do a lot of social housing and something like the Baths would be one of the larger civic projects uh, that we undertake. So my role is, uh, I guess, to lead a team of architects and technicians uh, carrying out these various roles. You, you mentioned it yourself there, public realm. A lot of our listeners wouldn't, probably aren't aware that architects, not only are you involved in buildings and structures, but public realm and placemaking, which has become quite... Uh, apparent across the county over the last couple of years during the pandemic. Our last episode, we were talking to Conor Garrity, who is involved in active travel, and a lot of that is involved in the, or focused on the public realm and the the county. But the architects department, they also have a big input into the the placemaking and public realm improvements across the county. Is that correct? That's correct, actually. And we've been at it for quite some number of years. So uh, when I first joined the council, one of the first jobs that I was asked to undertake was to carry out works for the renewal of Ballybrack Village. And that project started back, I think, 2002 and went on for maybe five years over three phases. So even at that early stage, we've always been focused on uh, the idea that uh, our towns and villages should be the places where we can come down to and socialise, particularly as, as the world becomes more digital and at the heart of that is a philosophy about placemaking i.e mm. uh, making places where people's wishes and their desire to to be in a place are basically uh, brought into being so in other words it's like putting people at the very center of design so we, we in the architects department have been at this for for many years now okay and then i think that it crystallized in particular during the covid period when I, I guess people came outside to socialise and started maybe dining and eating and so on outside. So, yeah, we've been at it for many years. And, yeah, so you've been with the council since the early 2000s anyway. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so I, I worked in a commercial practice, a very commercial practice, up until 2000. I had returned from abroad in 1995. I worked for five years in a very commercial practice, then joined the council. I had... I'd studied urban design and planning, as well as architecture. So uh, I guess I wanted to uh, to bring those skills to bear more on public sector work than maybe on private private work. So I joined the council in in uh, late two thousand. And those two, urban renewal, planning, architecture, they really they're the the perfect 
backgrounds to have before going into your own role here with all the, the placemaking and the both civil structures, placemaking, they really go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah. So if you can actually, if you can look at a large scale area, and then if you can also look at the spaces around which you can put buildings, you, you have in those three disciplines a kind of a, a triumvirate, which is very useful and gives you a good broad view of, of really how to make places and buildings and areas that people um, feel comfortable in and I suppose can last the test of time. The focus on people, and I know you mentioned social housing. I know our architects department have won awards for several of their, their projects around the county. How many, uh, or, or what are some of the bigger projects that you've been working on prior to the baths? So I think maybe many people around Dunleary would be familiar with George's Place Housing, which is down beside the old fire station. Yeah. And that's, that was, a, uh, that was a, a set of social houses built rapidly. But what's important about that as a, as a demonstration piece is that it tried to find a way forward of how to make high-density family housing, but to set them around uh, an urban design plan that refers to a longer-term set of objectives uh, in Dunleary to link the seafront and the town. We've also done a, a renewal, a full regeneration of, um, of the Rosemount Estate over in Dundrum. And again, that was another prize-winning scheme. Again, set around a new village green, the removal of, of three point blocks and the yep. uh, creation of, I suppose, quite sensitively crafted family and apartment dwellings for people. As well as that, though, we've also worked across conservation. So we've done work in Doggy uh, Castle. We've also done some very small pieces of work, such as a little bathing shelter down in Sandy Cove. And again, that was premiated by the Royal Institute. We also uh, built the, uh, the designed and uh, realized the Ballyogan Operations Centre, which again is probably slightly out of sight up off the Ballyogan Road, but it's a large complex where the council's entire mm. But largely, the council's entire fleet is based. Yeah, that's tucked away off the, the main road in Ballyogan, but it's absolutely crucial to the operations of many departments. And the, like you said, the vast majority of our outdoor staff are based there. Like, we couldn't do the work that we do without that centre at all. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So that came into being in 2013. And again, that had a very difficult gestation with the builder going into liquidation. So maybe that was about a four to five year build out uh, for that project. Oh, wow. And I think in time, once Jamestown Park comes into being, the public will get to see it more. It's actually designed to address that future park. So again, it's kind of future proof oh, to, to look out over the park and eventually the public will actually get to engage with that building more. And they'll know where they are. And they'll know where they are. And you do mention, or you have mentioned with George's Place, it's about linking Dunleary Town to the harbour. And at the moment, for many of our listeners may be aware if they're locals or if they've been down to Dunleary, there is a bit of a disconnect between the, the harbour side of the town and the, the main street and the shopping end of, of the town. One of the biggest, probably the biz, biggest project in Dunleary Town to date, and the, the main reason we're having a chat today, Bob, is the Dunleary Baths. It's part of the link between the harbour and the, the town side of things, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So back in 2004, and I suppose this paints the context for the Dunleary Baths, and I suppose it, it speaks to this idea that each project should be bigger than itself. Mm -hmm. Back in 2004, we started a series of urban structure plans for Dunleary, and that kind of, its starting point was some objectives. 
One of the prim primary ones was about linking the town back to its seafront. And those connections had in many ways been lost over time or had never really been realised as the town uh, grew from being a kind of a Victorian suburb uh, into, into what it is today. So I spoke about George's place and even the placing of the Lexicon Library, the decking over the railway to create the, the metals, parks that run down yes. towards uh, the People's Park. All of those projects, they speak to this idea of creating links between the seafront back up to the town. And in the coming period, we'll also be looking again uh, at the town itself, the centre of the town and its environs. But the Baths, again, is located within that kind of uh, philosophy. And effectively, it is now going to become the place where Dunleary can, people in Dunleary can go down and swim. Mm. So it catches all of those residential areas. And then people can make a choice as to whether they would go to Dunleary to swim or to go down to Sandico to swim or to, to go down to Seapoint. But Dunleary, for the first time in a long time now, will have its own place to swim. And yeah, like you said, first time in a long time, because at the moment it's probably Sandy Cove or Seapoint. It's either end, either side of Dunleary. You've great amenities for, for swimming, but in the town, not so much at the moment. And this will be absolutely brilliant. And you mentioned 2004, but to put it into context, the Baths have been there, and many of our listeners may be aware, Baths have been there a lot longer than 2004. They were originally built in the 1840s and back then Dunleary was known as Kingstown and then in the early 1900s they were renovated to accommodate sea swimmers there were further renovations in the 30s and 70s and then in the 1980s what many people look back fondly on water slides were added uh, as part of the Rainbow Rapids and then in 1997 the site closed which is when we start to see the beginning of what has come to fruition today in 2005 i believe it was the the first of many proposals mm. for the refurbishment and it had seen like even potentially having i believe there were apartment blocks proposed or apartments proposed above the the bats and then in 2015 a proposal was brought forward and that has essentially ended up with what we have today can you take us through what has happened since that proposal in 2015 is that correct yeah well Actually, there's the, the, the timelines are actually... Because, this, because the bats fell into disrepair and closed, mm. um, it then fell into dereliction. And I guess there wasn't any absolute clarity as to what should happen next. I think that uh, at the time, maybe tastes had changed. Uh, you had low-cost flights. People would leave Ireland and go to Spain rather than necessarily yep. swimming like they do today. So... It closed in, as you said, around 1997. And between then and maybe 2010, there was a series of proposals. Different projects were brought forward. So there was one in um, 2003, there was one in 2005, 2008, 2010. And then our proposal was brought forward. And our proposal emanated out of a subcommittee, a cross-party subcommittee of different councillors okay. who basically try to grapple with this thorny question as to well what will happen with the baths and they came up with some very broad recommendations and our job as architects and our job as a, a job at the time was to try and give physical form to those recommendations and it's from that that what is being delivered uh, today has come about and their objectives were quite simple they said that 
you know, that there should be sea swimming facilities. That the old pavilion, which probably had a lot of social value, people would have gone through there uh, to swim as kids into the Rainbow Rapids and so on, that that building should be retained. Yep. And some other broad parameters. So back in 2010 is when I actually first started working on this project. And we're now in 2022, so it's the culmination of, of 12 years of work. Wow. The first parts of it were probably unseen in many ways. We had to obviously go through a whole myriad of considerations of the site, but also that went further into considerations of, of foreshore and issues of title and so on. And so we had to work through all of those processes over many years. And so in 2015, as you've said, that was the first time that there were displays to the public of what these proposals might look like. But yes, it's the culmination of, 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 of many years of work. Yeah, a lot longer than most people would realise as well. And I would say after 12 years of working on a project, you feel like there's a part of you in those baths. I'd say you've put blood, sweat and tears in over the years. And now you'll probably feel a bit of emptiness now that the baths are open and the project is done. You won't be know, know what to do with yourself, I'd say, for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> other than go for a swim, of course. Yeah, I mean, these big projects, they, they certainly take it out of you. And, and this one certainly... Uh, uh, this one certainly has been like that. So I think I will probably take a small break. <laughs> <laughs> Well-deserved holiday. And luckily enough, it's coming up to Christmas. Uh, but we've uh, a lot of other interesting projects that are beginning to, uh, to, to, to bubble up and um, we'll be on to those. But yes, this has been a very, very difficult and uh, long strung out project. But I think now that we're at the end of it, and we can take the blinkers off, I think. Uh, and when people get down to see it, I think that they'll be delighted. I think they'll be happy with what, what, what has come into being. I think so. And I'd say, although it has been an arduous 12 years for you, I'd say there is an element that this is almost a passion project or a labour of love at this stage. You've committed so much time to it. I'd say you can take great pride in coming into Dunleary and seeing it finally open and seeing people flock to it during the, the warmer months next year, it'll be absolutely brilliant. Can you tell me anything mm. about the... I know we kept the pavilion and the, the structure, and it looks almost identical to how it was before, but the back of the baths, that's all completely new in the open swimming area. Can you talk to me at all about the, the inspiration, right? the design aspects, or how was that design come upon and decided so effectively all that remains of the original site were the th are the three walls of the pavilion and some of the structure of what was called the drawing room beside it apart from that the entire site has been has been largely remade yeah and that's because it had fallen into such disrepair and had been battered by the sea for so many years that the site almost had to be remade it was also very very poor ground so in remaking the site, we removed a lot of the dereliction behind virtually everything. And the entire site was basically scooped out and everything built back up underneath the three walls of the mm -hmm. front pavilion, which were effectively propped up in the air in steel. So, so this is why perhaps people have wondered why it has taken so long. But when you work in a maritime environment, and when you work on a site like this that is full of constraints and full of poor ground and so on, it has been an extremely difficult build. Mm. The inspiration for what we've done has really come about in, in several ways. One is obviously this idea of 
placemaking, this idea of people, people-centered design, trying to work back from the way people want to use space. Absolutely. Uh, but also we referred back to a lot of the historical maps. And historically, before the first set of bats on the site were built, there was a Martello Tower in the People's Park area, and there was a battery fort on this high ground of, of the rocky foreshore. So people will notice that as they come up Windsor Terrace, they're actually rising up. And that's why this battery fort was strategically located at this side. And it covered off until mm. the East and West Pier were done. It covered off the, the entry into Dunleary from the, uh, from the south. And in many ways, the Martello Tower and the fort that was on the, on the, uh, the bath site had a similar kind of relationship to the Martello Tower and the fort oh, wow. over at Santa Gove, over at the 40 foot. Same, same kind of uh, language. So when people get down there over the next period, they'll, they'll find themselves kind of walking along a walkway at the, at the back of the pavilion that twists and turns and essentially is remaking the historic foreshore. So they will be experiencing in many ways the twists and turns uh, that would have been the original uh, rocky foreshore. So that's... And what that also does then is it allows different views to be seen. So you can see to the East Pier and back to Sandy Cove from different vantage points, which would be a different experience than if it's just a, a linear walkway. And so pictorially, it'll be kind of uh, quite picturesque. As people look around, they'll see lots of different views um, that they wouldn't have seen before. And I'm certainly looking forward to seeing their reaction on that. I would imagine so. And... Never mind, I wasn't aware of the, the winding walkway, that aspect that would give you different views that recreates the, the old shore of decades ago. But most notably, I would say for people is the jetty that sticks out into the sea. And I would say the vast majority of people haven't seen Dunleary or the pavilion from that far out before, unless you were swimming or in a, a boat previously, you'd have a completely different view of Dunleary from out there, I would imagine. You do, and w- when it opens, people will come across from the uh, People's Park and they'll go down a, a very grand flight of steps onto the jetty. And the jetty mm. cranks ever so slightly towards Sandy Cove to make a kind of a relationship so that it feels yes. like you're creating or in some way framing Scotsman's Bay as opposed to it just sticking straight out to sea. So people will notice that relationship and it'll feel maybe a little safer, a little bit more enclosed and, and, and possibly nicer for swimming. And as you go down, you'll see the new Casement Memorial at different, at different heights and different levels. And again, you'll have different views of that as you go from the high ground down onto the low ground. Yeah. And when you're at the end of the pier, and when you look back, you'll be seeing views of Newtown Smith and of Sandy Cove that, that are completely new. And actually, that's very exciting. That's fascinating. I hadn't thought of it like that before that you'd get these completely different views and that they would be designed into it it's not coincidental that you have this phenomenal view of sandy cove or newtown smith all of a sudden these have been these features have been designed into it and yeah yeah not just that but there are while we're on features there are some facilities it's not just a pier and a, a staircase the pavilion itself has some facilities what exactly is going to be in the pavilion building itself bob okay so one of the key things was to retain and keep the pavilion in public use. So on the upper level, there'll be a, a cafe. So you can come in the original historic doorway opposite the People's Park. And also 
there'll be a new cafe terrace which takes really get great sun all, all, all the way through the day and so, so when you go in there you can have a coffee you're right up against uh, you're you're on the high ground you're overlooking the sea and it'll probably be one of the unique places along the coastline where you can have a coffee and sit down and have that immediate relationship with the sea there used to be a whole series of hotels along this coastline unfortunately they've all gone and and this might be one of the few places now where you can actually have that experience so that's at the upper level at the lower level uh, we have uh, spaces which are programmed by our arts office and they're going to be artist studios okay and they will be working with uh, artists to actually to give them time in studios mm-hmm. within within the building and there'll also be a small room where there can be happenings and so on again to be programmed by our arts office but the idea is that this building this pavilion will be kind of become a kind of a buzzy happening kind of place that people walking along Newtown Smith walking along Windsor Terrace coming across from the People's Park can actually go into and enjoy and then thereafter maybe walk down and go onto the pier and go for a swim or whatever they want and that's one of the the features as well that a lot of people may not be aware of is that when this is now that the the baths are complete you can walk from the baths or from Newtown Smith down along the the shore and straight up to the the East Pier, it's all one continuous walkway now, isn't it? Yeah, so originally the bats, the historic bats, were like um, a full stop along that pathway. Yeah. And on both sides, we had cul-de-sacs, and you were always had to divert up onto the uh, onto the public footpaths. Now you'll be able to continue along the back of the pavilion, and then at the end of what's, the, I suppose, the current end of, of, of the bats scheme, there will be a follow-on project to upgrade the, the walkways between the bats and the East Pier. And when that's complete, then you'll have one continuous walk between Sand Cove and the East Pier. And I think that'll be, a, that'll be a great moment. That'll be great for everyone because I know, as we were speaking to, to Connor in the last episode, active travel is so big now, it'll be fantastic for anyone who's going out for a stroll, particularly with our offices here in Dunleary. I'd say a lot of staff will be going out for a stroll on their lunch break or before work in the morning, and it'll be one long, continuous a really breathtaking view once the weather is Mm. nice and it's not cloudy when you get a good day for it it's a great spot for a walk down in Dunleary and one of the other features that are there there are also there are going to be public toilets I believe but there's also going to be a a changing place which is different to a changing room a changing place is uh, am I right in saying it's an accessible toilet yeah changing places is is I suppose a concept which is a larger space where there's a hoist and so on. So I suppose that caters for people with different levels of mobility. There's also be the standard disabled space that people would be familiar with, and there'll be just standard toilets. So there'll mm-hmm. be a range of different facilities within the buildings. And again, that kind of will assist. I suppose it assists more people to be able to go out and to uh, to enjoy the facilities that we have here in Dunleary. Yeah, because I'd say hundreds of people want to, and it is available to everybody. And... One of the other things that you had just exactly. touched on it earlier on, there is an absolutely breathtaking memorial statue of Roger Casement at the end of the, the jetty or the pier at the Baths. Now, a lot of people are very familiar with Roger Casement himself. He was, in his time, he was a humanitarian and a poet. And most notably for most people, he was linked to the Easter Rising. He was one of the leaders in 1916. But what exactly is his link to the Baths? He does have a link to the area, doesn't he? Casement was actually born in Sandicove. So he has a very strong link to the area. Ah. And that link has been built upon 
by, I guess, the awareness that has been brought through this, the Casement Summer School. So back in, I think it was 2016, there was a desire to, in some way, mark the fact that he is uh, he has a local connection. And there was the launching of, of an international competition to create a memorial. And so we decided yep. that the jetty would be a, a good area uh, to locate this because in many ways that statue now speaks to the kind of language of the lighthouses that you find on the East West Pier or the Boyd Memorial on the, uh, the East Pier or, or the uh, Anonometer, these pieces that actually kind of seem to locate themselves on, on piers and coastal infrastructure. Casement then was sculpted by Mark Richards, who's a really wonderful artist. And the care that he has taken actually, I think, really can be seen and will be seen by more people now that it's opening up and people can get down there and they can really enjoy the various angles that you see it at. From the high ground, you see mm. it with a background of the sea. Uh, from the middle level, it almost stands perfectly on the horizon. And then when you're below it, you, you obviously see it against the sky. So I think, um, I think when people get down there, they're going to be quite... Uh, I think they'll, they'll really enjoy kind of looking at that piece and enjoying it. Yeah. I would imagine a lot of people could be awestruck with the, and the sheer scale of it. It's absolutely massive as well. And I'm sure no doubt there's an intentional symbolic nature that he's looking back on Dunleary or almost looking over Dunleary in um, almost protecting Dunleary and still looking over us in a way after his input in the and his involvement in the 1916 rising. So I think that that idea of returning home and facing back in towards Ireland was, was certainly one that was foremost in the artist's mind. Some pieces of sculpture in these kind of locations they kind of they could look out mm. to see. But in this case, it's been very deliberately located that, um, or cited that Casement is actually looking back towards Ireland, looking back towards Dublin. And there are so, so many, even just like the views that have been intentionally designed in, these are all tiny little features that people may not realise are intentional. It's not coincidental that he's looking this direction. The views that you happen to get, they're not just pure look or by chance. These are all tiny features that have mm. been designed into this overall humongous project for massive gain overall and that's something that will not wear off you can come down to the baths a hundred times and you'll get the same amazing views as long as the, the weather is good and you're able to to get out to the end of the pier and you're not soaked with the rain but those views they won't go away no they won't no no and actually when you make a project of this scale you're actually designing something that will outlive us all it's going to be there wow. for way longer than any of us yeah. And I guess that's the big, that's a heavy responsibility. That's yeah, no pressure on you, Bob. <laughs> no pressure. And like this is like you said this project is humongous and it's going to outlast us all. You can't be a one man show. This can't all fall on you. There's been a lot of cooperation and teamwork both within your architects department in the council here and throughout the the council with various different departments. It must have taken a lot of coordination and cooperation between the different departments over the 12 years, has it? 
Yeah, so I suppose one of the roles, and this speaks really to where we started from in, in this podcast, what, what does one do? It's not only about designing, it's also about coordinating and maybe realising designs. And, and that takes that takes a huge amount of work. And I suppose in this respect, I would acknowledge the input and, and work by Andre Dargan, who's county architect, the various chief executives who supported the project. Frank Hearn is the ter- current chief executive, and, and he's always been extremely supportive. And the various Cahirlock, politically mm. across various parties and politically across the council once the vision had been established and agreed there has been great support and i think that's acknowledged yeah for sure on this day when this will be opening yeah yeah it has received phenomenal support Mm. and no doubt it would be absolutely adored by everyone that comes to to visit although uh, no project is perfect i know construction started was it 2017 2018 there have been delays most prominent of which and recent in many people's minds is a pandemic which definitely slowed down the build slightly but there have been not that the pandemic wasn't unexpected but more more commonplace construction delays i know there was a lot of reinforced unexpected reinforcing of the the road outside the pavilion that had to be done and there was an unfortunate spill of plastics into the the sea down there as well which also slowed things down for a couple of months this project, like many projects or any project, has hit delays as well, uh, because a lot of people may be wondering why it has taken so long to finish. But I suppose that's that's part of building something in that maritime environment that you'd mentioned earlier on, isn't it? And I don't think it's necessarily just one element, but it's the aggregation of many, you know. So you had the pandemic, as you said, you had that incident with the plastics. We also came across instability in the retaining walls along Queen's Road, the site conditions, uh, which which could vary daily according to the wind and the weather Mm. and the tide and so on. So these big projects, and especially these big coastal projects, they always, a bit like our walkway, twist and turn and take unexpected directions. So the walkway is a a homage to the journey we've gone through the construction, not just the the previous shoreline, is it? Correct. It's a a metaphor. (laughs) You mentioned it there, working with the tides as well. Like No doubt work had to be done on the seabed. And I'm sure it was a, a scenario of having to race out and do something while the tide is out and then get machinery and tools back in before it came in in some cases, was it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so sometimes you could have extremely uh, short periods in which you could work out on the shoreline. And that could be yeah. up to like... It could limit work to several hours a day. By the time you get mobilized, go out and then do some work and then mobilize, remobilize and come back in. So again, all of these, all of these certainly complicate the delivery of a project like this, you know. But I think we had mentioned, you know, the realization of a large project. There, there have been teams and I, I guess in this regard, I'd also mentioned the, um, the work that A2 Architects as executive sub-architects to ourselves uh, brought to the project and Garland Engineers and Hayes Higgins mm. uh, Partnership. So all of these professional consultancies, I, I would certainly pay tribute to them and Levin's Associate for their uh, for their cost control. And uh, again, cost control on a big project like this is is a really important part of any construction project. Definitely a tough one, I'd imagine, with something of this scale. And mm. that leads us to the one big question on everyone's mind: the Dunleary Baths currently don't have any baths where are they i believe they have been built in there is scope to retrofit baths on the site can you speak to that at all 
So I guess when we started the project, there was no there, there was no fixed idea of whether it should have a pool, an indoor pool or an outdoor pool, or would it be sea swimming or whatever. What we've done, when we, when we found that so much of the site had to be remade, uh, what we've done is, is essentially retained an area down at the lower level, uh, mm-hmm. which can, if people want, if politically people want, or if, there's a, uh, if it comes into, if there's a desire to have it, uh, can be opened up to create a, a, an outdoor pool. So sometimes people forget that these projects that had their gestation 12, 15 years ago, they go through. And so what we've done is essentially future-proofed it. If in a couple of years there's a real burning desire to have a pool, that can happen. If, on the other hand, the area down there is seen as so much fun because it's just a big wide open space that can be used for all Mm. sorts of different things, people might say, well, actually, just let's leave it like that. But we future-proofed it. Um, so it can happen in the future if that's if that's the wish. This hasn't been a surprise. Many people may not remember, but the original plans that came forward in 2015, that proposal, the baths weren't included. There was no pool, and the retrofitting included in those those plans. This is something that has been decided upon. No, the future proofing no, no. is so, something so that has is, been decided yeah. on, and there is potential for an opening of a, a pool future down the line, further down the line, if. The demand is there for it, which, and I'm sure the demand has changed dramatically. I'd imagine, particularly during the the pandemic, with a lot of people taking up sea swimming. But trends change, and since 2015, the trends have changed. And if they do continue to, we can always open up the the baths uh, or the pool that is there. And th- that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, who would have predicted back in say 2008, 2009 that sea swimming would be would be so so popular yeah so it really has almost the bats have almost grown into the, into um, itself it almost foresaw that uh, that surge in demand to swim in the sea yeah um, it seems like it and while we may not have a, a pool there this provides sea swimming for so many more people in Dunleary in a place where you had mentioned earlier on there has been nothing like this in Dunleary. So this opens up sea swimming to hundreds of people exactly. on a regular yeah. basis, uh, I'd imagine. And also what you're seeing is the, is the formation of a small beach area. It's a small little rocky beach, but again, people can access that area now quite comfortably with their kayaks and canoes mm. and so on. So if you kayak out of Sandy Cove, you could thread your way across Scotsman's Bay, pull your canoe up onto the hard standing, go up and have a cup of coffee, and then return and go home. So again, it's it's a nice point at which you can uh, come in to Dunleary in that way. You can stop off if you're driving or cycling or walking or even canoeing or kayaking around the area exactly. now. There's parking exactly. for absolutely any mode of transport. That's it, exactly, yeah. And currently, there, you had mentioned the cafe and the artists. There are none in there at the moment, but they will be populated in the, the pavilion and take it up residence early next year. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, so that uh, tender for a cafe operator has just closed and and now that's going to be, I suppose it's under evaluation. And we would expect in the springtime that um, the building then will open up with the cafe operator. But it's important to note that the pier and the baths themselves, they are open to swim from immediately. Yes, yes, yes. Once the facility opens, all of that now becomes uh, public, fully public. And unlike some other kind of bats propositions, it's fully free. Which is great. So people can go down there and, and just swim 
as normal, like they do in Sandy Cove and, and Seapoint. And I know it's open. It's probably opening just in time because the the popularity of the, the classic Christmas Day swim down at the 40 foot, thousands of people show up every day. Now we've got a new spot for people to go swim on Christmas Day and Stephen's Day. Yeah, so I'd be interested to see how it grows into itself. Absolutely. I suspect, I suspect it'll take time. You know, these, these, these things always uh, take time for people to make it their, their local. But I think in time, it, it certainly will. I would think so myself. And I can only see a future where it's absolutely booming and packed with people on a regular basis, especially during the, the summer months. When you get the weather right down there, you can go for a swim. Like you said, go for a coffee. Even if you're not getting in the water, you can meet a few friends, go for a walk. It's just there's no end to the, the activity that can go on down there now. And at the end of a 12-year project, 12 long right. years or 12 short years, depending on how enjoyable it was, Bob, it's finally come to an end. And how do you feel about seeing the, the end of the project? It must be a bit bittersweet for you, is it? No, it's, it's actually very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> You're very honest. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing other people now get to use it and to animate it and to walk around it and swim from it and all the rest. And that's, that's actually, uh, that really is the... Uh, I think what architects want to get to is actually seeing their projects in use, come into being and, and, and uh, come into use. See them, yeah. That moment is now. Evolve yeah. beyond drawings and exactly. models. Yeah, exactly. And come into to real life. Look, Bob, that's everything from me, unless you have anything to add yourself. No, I'm just looking forward to seeing you go for Christmas. Week. I'll be down there first thing in the morning, don't worry. I'll be down every day. That's great, Bob. Thanks yeah, yeah. very much for taking the time to, right. to join me today. All right, Carl. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Insight. Thanks also to Bob for taking the time out of his day to chat to me about the Dunleary Baths and the huge amount of work that has gone into this project. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe. Let people know about the podcast. It's available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we upload new episodes regularly. For all the latest updates from the Council, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit our website and subscribe to the DLR Times at dlrcoco.ie. Well, I'm heading off for a swim down the bats. That's all for today. I hope you found it insightful.